Title of the show, Pants Are Overrated. <laughs> you are listening to Rouge, White, and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Hi, and welcome to the Bruce White Blue CFL Podcast. I'm Boss Davis. I am the host of the show. And joining me as always is my co-host Joe Pritchard. And Joe, I'm not even going to make a comparison this time. How excited are you? Well, how excited are you? Both of our oh, teams incredible. are in the final four. Incredibly excited. Because I think my team's going to win. Can, can I just get right into it? Can I just go right into last week's games and take a victory lap? Because this yeah. is the first time in eight years I get to do this. In fact, this is the first time on the show I think I've ever been able to do this. Take a victory lap after the Montreal Alouettes win a playoff game. So can I do that? The floor is yours. Okay, great. <laughs> just a real quick recap. Um, just wanted to go through it. As an Alouettes fan, of course, you've got to be happy uh, not just that we won, but that we won correctly against probably a team that really shouldn't have been in the playoffs. I mean, honestly, that's what this game looked like, to be honest. Uh, the Alouettes were playing a playoff game, and the Tiger Cats were not, or were not up to the task of playing a playoff game. And if you ask me, this kind of just reflects on the problem of the wild card system. Um, that's kind of gotten out of hand in North American sports leagues in the recent past is, look, it's called a wild card because you want something to throw in, you know, just a little bit of randomness. But when the majority of teams in your playoff system are wild cards, it kind of like loses the, the meaning of the word. You know, it's kind of like playing poker with – too many like deuces, jokers, and one-eyed jacks wild. It just, it just throws in this element of randomness. And in the case of these high-level professional sports, just an element of, you know, what is this team doing? And I, take, this- I, I take your point. Uh, to be fair, they're not wild cards in the CFL. They've just always been. Um, oh, yeah. It always seems like it, it, it goes back a long way for where there oh. were multiple playoff teams in a division there. But I get your point. I mean, you see sports like baseball all of a sudden having 10, 10, 10, 12 playoff teams when it used to be, even when I was growing up for a while, four, and that was considered radical. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, because NFL football only had one back in the day. They had three divisions and one playoff team, and that's it. You know, eight teams out of 24. That's one-third of the teams nowadays. Right. You're looking for the best of the best in the playoffs because that will give you a more true result. However, pro sports aren't run to be simply about the competition and haven't been for pretty much their entire existence. But really, the advent of television becoming a big thing really changed the landscape on that. Now it's all about drawing the ratings in your big right. playoff. Right. And the yep. more playoff games you have, the more playoff games you can sell the networks. Right. And the it's networks about, them. It's about landing that TV deal. And, and I guess the thing about football that makes it disturbing is that, of course, football is a one-game 
game. One right? bad day. Have... One bad day. <laughs> yeah. Or or inclement weather in the Grey Cup that can completely turn a team's fortunes. And and you know that's history ultimately, right? With these games, with playoff games and stuff. Now again, like I I think it doesn't matter so much, especially in basketball. I think in basketball the talent tends to rise to the top. I mean, okay, you may have unfortunate injuries at the time of the year. Okay. But in a one-game set, kind of makes you nervous. However, getting back to the actual game, uh, Alouette's fans luckily really never had to feel nervous in this game. Uh, scored a touchdown on the first drive, went up 14-3 to in the first quarter. We led throughout. Um, you watched this game, Joe. So when the Ticats got to within eighth in the fourth quarter with that Schultz at quarterback, my nightmare, um, did you think that there was a chance they were going to catch the Owls? Absolutely. The Alouettes didn't you do really much. You really did? Okay. The Alouettes okay. didn't do a whole lot in the second half on offense. They could have had this game put away a long time before that happened. But just things went really well early on, then it slowed down. And Let's if see. they would have taken one of many cha- drives they had and turned it into points... They're sitting even more comfortably than they were at that point. But see, I like this. I, as an Alouettes fan, this is what I've been saying all year, man, is the conservative game plan is the way to go. Look, Fletcher had an amazing game. He did. Danback had a great game. Only 10 carries, but 66 yards and a long of 11. Basically, he's guaranteeing you that five yards per carry every time. Right? That's basically what he did in this game. They both had great games. Chandler Worthy, seven returns. His only kickoff return went for 49, and he had a punt return go for 47. Okay? These are the ways the Owls can win. The Alouettes can play, are at their best when they're playing the the field position game. You know, I don't really think that works too often in modern football on either side of the border on any level. But this Not team anymore. is built like that. This team is built like that. We can win games like this. And I think this game really proved it. Now, it helps that you've got Eugene Lewis and Jake Winicky, 12 receptions and 150 yards and a touchdown between them. Uh, you're a little concerned that Winicky had Winicky had four targets that he didn't catch that were badly thrown, whatever. Okay, okay, but we'll take it because <laughs> our quarterback play is nice and conservative. There's no screw-ups here. And the defense contributed as well. Six sacks, two by Ty Beverett, including that one in the fourth quarter, which was just gorgeous. I mean, the the A-gap was wide open, and you could see it. When they gave you the shot behind the quarterback, you could see Beverett just get the whole head of steam and just nail Schultz. He just came right there. Great. So, you know, again, and also good on him for not continuing that head of steam and keeping himself from costing his team a roughing the passer penalty. Yeah, exactly. He was lined up for it and he made and he made the right decision. Yep. Yep. And it was just a nice, clean hit, no call, nothing. And see, again, like, like this was the thing for me. The Alouettes may not have played exciting ball, but they were almost mistake free. No fumbles, one pick, a lot of six sacks. A lot of, lot of nice plays here. A lot of nice plays. So 
I love that. Again, like, like we are, we are on this roll right now. The Alouettes are still looking good. If we hadn't blown that rouge at the end of the Toronto game, we'd be the hottest team in the league right now. So again, like we're playing Alouettes ball. Love it. Love it. Alouettes fans got to be happy. Got to be happy. Um, the other game of the weekend, I'm going to go to you first on this, of course, was um, BC Line 30, handy win over Calgary St. Peter's 16. Now, I'm sure you watched this game with interest, Joe. So what were your takeaways from this game? Well, that's the end of an era in Calgary. They're oh, really, wow. <laughs> they've made an era, and by that I mean a, the Bo Levi-Mitchell era because he made it plain that he's not coming back uh, across social media or the ones he has, still has at this point. Um, and he got a, a very last ditch attempt to come on in and try to create a miracle, which just didn't pan out because BC played a really good game all the way around. Yeah, it's easy to, uh, it's easy and pointless to second guess these decisions in a playoff game. Because you know, season's over for Calgary. Second guessing isn't going to do any good because there's nothing to learn for next week. But should they have gone to Bo sooner? I don't know what kind of message that sends. Well, <laughs> and I think the reason they went for him in the first place is because desperation. But if you pull okay. that, but if you pull that ripcord, and, and considering you're the third place team in the West, think of think of it this way. You're thinking about the next five years. You're not really thinking of it when you're on the sidelines in a playoff game. Right. right but if you pull right, the cord right, on my right. on mayor at halftime, what are you right. telling what are you telling your starting quarterback for next year about how much you actually trust him? But can't you just write it off and say, you know, first big game, BC's a tough team. I mean, it's just a step on the way to development of a starting quarterback. Sure, but but you th- you show the confidence in him and keep him in there. And he didn't do terribly. No, he didn't do terribly. They were looking for a spark because the right. offense wasn't generating big plays. Right. Yeah. And they started the second half was, what, 13 to 8? But it felt like about 24 to 8. I mean, it just it just felt like BC had had dominated the whole game. And and here was the thing for me. Here was my grand unifying theory about Calgary in this game. And and tell me if you think this is legit. I think what might have happened is that Dickinson and the coaching staff looked at all the numbers, right? They looked at the analytics and whatever, and they go, We have next to no chance of winning this game. And so they started doing crazy stuff like, you know, trying to have Kadeem Carey go around the right edge on a third and one. Or better yet, going down only 13 to six in the third quarter in field goal range, going for it on third and two with just sort of this, you know, half-ass throw right. Incomplete. You know, the when play, both the it, play call there could have used was brutal. Could have used 
could have used a second guess there. <laughs> uh, I don't second guess, though, the attempts to be aggressive. Again, they were the underdog. Yeah. They played yeah, in their way. Yep. Yep. They yep. gave it everything they had. And they just came up short. They coached aggressively. They didn't get punished for being conservative because what's three points going to do when you're when you lose by 14? Well, yeah. But, you know, by the same token, the offense wasn't doing anything. So don't you just take the three? I mean, you know. How many more, uh, times, get, how many more times do you think you're getting down there, though? Yeah. yeah with the way the offense is going. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. You're, you're right. You can go on circles with that. Um, I would say that, yeah, I think you were right before when just BC played an excellent game top to bottom. Um, especially. I think that um, what really hurt Calgary was the secondary. The secondary is just getting crushed the whole game, either by bad coverage or just, you know, physicality, just getting out jumped. I mean, you saw it on that uh, first play in the second half when, uh, you know, first play, they go for like 40 yards when Dominique Grimes just jumps over three steps. You know, they just out hustled them on a lot of these plays. Um on a lot of these deep throws. Um, what were Nathan Rourke's final final line? It was quite good. Let's see. His final numbers were uh, 22 of 30 for 321 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, like, like for example, I have this in the notes. Um, the first quarter, you know, stamps, defense looked pretty good. But then on that first touchdown, Hollins was alone in the end zone. Then on the other one, when Pipkin came in, on third and one in the third quarter, and they went, uh, not exactly a trick play, but a surprise play, and just jumped out to Hatcher. They were screwed. They were screwed. I saw one guy coming off the line, and he realized it, and he had about enough time to turn around and give up on the play. <laughs> you know, when by the time he realized what had happened. You know, it's just, damn. I mean, they just caught this secondary napping all day. Um I'm going to talk a little bit more about that going into the previous next week. Do, do you want to go into next week's games? Do you have anything else on BC? Mm, no. The, Any more scared? Any more scared? No. <laughs> <laughs> what resolve? This man, this man is a bomber's fan. What resolve? Way to go, Joe. You are, stay strong. Stay strong. All right. So let's talk Montreal Alouettes. Three and a half point underdogs at Toronto Argonauts over under 48. So this is a classic sportsbook kind of line. They're expecting a final score of about 25 to 22, somewhere there, 25, 23, 26, 23, somewhere in that range uh, for this game. Um, okay. Let's see. I, I have already guessed the way Joe is going to go on both of these games. So I guess... I'll go first both times because I'm I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Montreal in this game. I honestly believe we're gonna win. Not just for argument's sake. See, I'm using the we pronoun, so you know I believe it. Um I guess for me, I, I go back to the week 19 game. I went back to the week 19 game. I went back and I skimmed through the replay. I looked at the highlights. And I'm not really sure how the Owls lost this game, except that 
Curley Grimes just killed us. Uh, 117 yards on seven catches in that game. With nearly half of that, 58 of those yards on yards after catch. Mm-hmm. And Gittins so, will be there next week, too. So Right, right. So one of my keys to victory, as they like to say at some of these pregame shows, is that um, if the Alouette secondary is a little bit better, if we can contain Grimes a little bit better, uh, Gittins, I'm sorry, Gittins a little bit better, we can win this game in that respect, okay? Also, second point, no grievous mistakes from Trevor Harris. Now, he hasn't shot himself in the foot for a while, not since the Hamilton game. Okay, so, so in other words, it. he's due. Oh, oh, right on my parade. I'm just saying, if it doesn't happen, we're going to get that. I guess this is the week when we find out. We know now that Trevor Harris is good enough to win you a playoff game. We get to find out the season-long uh, slogan of Rouge, White, and Blue. He's good enough to lose you a playoff game. We get to find out if that's true next week. And I think, again, my third final point, I talked about this before, the Owls are better off playing conservative game. Conservative game. Feed Stan Matt, Feed Fletcher. They're the hot hands. They also both had really good games against Toronto in that loss as well. They both averaged over five and a half yards per carry in that game. So, feed these guys. Feed the halfbacks, Trevor. Feed them. Don't get nuts. Last game as long was 33. If, if he has a game like that and throws for 217 yards, great. Great. That's a formula for winning. What do you got? How do the Argos win this game? The Argos win this game by forcing mistakes. Okay. And they can do that. I, I feel like they've been underrated all season. They don't they don't blow you away on paper. Right. But they have a killer instinct that they didn't have last year, I feel like. Hmm. Okay. If they went nine and five last year, they lost the East final because about the second quarter, they kind of looked up and went, where the hell are we? What are we doing? And just <laughs> kind of imploded. I don't see that happening this year. They've had a year of experience. They have uh, Andrew Harris is coming back this week. I don't think that means he's going to go for like 200 or anything, but just having him around uh, cannot really hurt, I would imagine, especially with him having been there before he knows how to go about his business he can help show them this is how we this is how you play off football it's a different beast so uh, the more veteran presence you have that front the better and toronto's got the got the mental edge that they beat montreal when it mattered okay how much stake do you put in the whole rookie thing because here's Here's Olet, who's been killing teams all season, especially in the East, uh, in his first playoffs. So, I mean, does I, I think he gets two thirds of the touches yet? I think Harris. Wow. I think Harris is going to get a share of the ball, but Olet's the fresh legs. Olet's the one that's been healthy and been playing, and so I could see them. Using Harris to help solidify the backfield, but not mm-hmm. taking over. Yeah, but how much stock do you put in the pressure on Olet this game? 
Well, if it doesn't look like he's, if it looks like he's cracking into the pressure, yeah, better to put in than Andrew Harris at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to admit, Bethel Thompson, you know, uh, he took a lot of flack in the first half of the year, but he's been. Oh, he took a lot of flack in the second half of the year, too. You think? You think? I think people were kind of mellowing out on him. No, no. There's a subset of Argos fans that cannot wait for the day that he's out of town. (laughs) One of those careful what you wish for scenarios, because some of them have anointed Chad Kelly as their savior. Wow, I'm not going really? to say anything about Chad Kelly yet. There's too much unknown yet there quite yet to be able to make that statement declaratively one way or the other. But Thompson has led you to two straight Eastern Division championships. He's going to have a second crack at the East Final. Let's see where he goes first before we start shoving him out of town. Oh, yeah, but if they lose, they'll shove him out of town. <laughs> That and it's not like he's getting any younger either. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Maybe they're okay, on the so, phone for both. I mean, right? Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, Toronto has been uh, Toronto, as pointed out by a lot of my Calgary friends, is basically the Stampeders East anyway. So why not have Bo next? <laughs> it is. I'm being. Stampeders. I'm only being half serious, but it, there's a little bit of seriousness there anyway. Yeah, no. <laughs> No, in the last two seasons, the Toronto Argonauts had very, very busy off seasons. You know, they 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 picked up a lot of either cast offs or or unresigned uh, players, and and quite a few from Calgary. I mean, they did even this off season. They took quite a few players from Calgary. So yeah, Calgary, Calgary East. Why not? Why not? Okay. So you're saying that the Argos are going to win this game, so the Owls are going to make mistakes. Damn, that makes me sick. Yes. Uh, And even if they don't and they get too conservative, Toronto has enough explosiveness to make them pay for it. Yeah. Yeah, if there's one thing you can say about the Alouettes, they are not explosive. Right, okay. So in the second game, we have BC Lions actually just – Four and a half point underdogs at Winnipeg. So right there in that, you know, neutral field zone uh, for the line. Uh, of course, Joe is going to go with the Bombers. And of course, there are many, many, many reasons why they could win this game. Uh, throw some things at the wall here, see what sticks. I'll okay. argue the case for BC. Sorry, Joe. I was just going to agree with you. And there's many, many reasons for Winnipeg to win this game. <laughs> But yes, go ahead and see what you can make stick because I might agree with you on a few of those points. Okay. All right. Well, first off, I've got uh, BC Lions can win if they somehow manage to treat the Bombers secondary like Calgary's last year. I don't know if that's possible, but we've been talking all year about how much talent, especially veteran talent, the Lions have in that receiving form. Now, I don't know how much of it was just Calgary's secondary had an awful, awful game last week. So they get burned in every respect. Or just how good Rhymes and the other guys were for BC last week. So, but if BC, if BC receivers have a good day, well, the onus is now going to be on the Bombers to score a lot of points in every quarter. So we'll see. I don't know. How much did you feel that BC was holding back just a little bit from the playbook. 
this last week. I don't yeah. think they were. No, you don't think they were. Okay. All right. So maybe there's nothing new uh, up the sleeve, and we're just going to rely on the long ball plays for BC. We'll see if it works. Uh, I think that, okay, here's what else I think. I think that BC is going to run at least one, maybe two gadgets. And I think that that's going to be a big part of the success. That's been real hard to surprise Winnipeg this year. Uh, Calgary looked pretty bad trying to run a fake punt uh, against them, for example. It's been pretty difficult to trick the Bombers on stuff like this. But I, I do believe that BC has it in them. I think Pipkin's little flip pass this week was was a was a preview of that. Uh, well, so I, I do want to make a point of order on that. That looked like that came out of the Paul Lopoli slash Buck Pierce playbook. Yeah, the Bombers have it? run that play yep. with a little bit more of a downfield element to it, more mm-hmm. so than just toss it over the pile. They've run that play a couple times a year for the last three or four years. Yeah. So they're used to that idea. Right. Right. That's a good call. That's a good call. Um, I get the feeling that they're gonna they're gonna pull some trickery here because uh yeah, yeah, I just think they're gonna do so. And uh, if they if they can capitalize on those, that'll be a plus. And I think that okay, this is gonna be a controversial one, but I think that if BC is up by 10 going into the fourth. They can win. Not necessarily because they're going to hold the Bombers back, but I think if any offense can track that clamp down fourth quarter defense of Winnipeg, it can be BC. But that's just a guess. Because BC is the biggest play offense in this league this year. And uh, sometimes it doesn't matter what kind of defense you have against that. Uh, you can still beat it. So that's what I got. <laughs> okay. I don't know how strong a case that is. Would you like me to make a, ca- a little bit more of a case for BC? For BC? Okay, great. Okay. Love to hear it. Love so hear. here's how they win this game. Okay. They have to protect Brooke. Rook yes. doesn't have yep. the mobility he had earlier yep. this year. Yeah. So yep. they have to keep him upright. They and struggled Stamps' up. pass rush looked really good last week. They and really they struggled good. a bit with that even yep. in the final week of the season. Yeah. The throwaway game, but the first two, first quarter and a half at least were starters yep. for the most part. So there was at least a little something to glean out of that. And it was work getting back into basically getting getting back to okay, this is what football is. I've been <laughs> sitting on the sidelines here, okay, snap, make make a read, throw the ball. They weren't doing anything tricky. They were running very basic plays. But they were having trouble stopping the Winnipeg pass rush on even the short stuff. Yeah. So yeah. first of all, they have to protect work. Second of all, when they have a shot. When they take a shot, they need to hit it. If they miss a shot play or two, that could be all the difference because they're not going to get many. Uh, First matchup between these two teams, the Lions hit a few shots, but that's all they had. Winnipeg steamrolled them that entire game. I don't think Winnipeg steamrolls them this time around because the last two games they've played in in October, toss them out because... 
they didn't really mean a whole lot in the standings. So that's so keep work upright, hit your shot plays, and then while you're taking your shots, get James Butler involved on the screens and the draws. Make Winnipeg come after you with all they got on the pass rush, and then get it to Butler behind that pass rush. And then you and then you can have consistency to move the ball down the field enough to bring the bombers up, and then you throw it over their heads again. And yeah, then yeah. you and then you've got them. But you have to make sure that Rourke is upright. Yeah. Long enough for your shot plays. You have to hit the shot plays. And then you have to keep Winnipeg off balance with what you're doing. Yeah, this was more even uh, that, even that might not be enough. But that's a game plan for success there. The second thing you need to do is take, well, beyond what the offense has to do, what the defense has to do is to make any Winnipeg mistake painful. They can't drop interceptions. They can't miss loose balls. They have to take care of uh, any chance they have to stick it to Winnipeg. They have to. Any opportunities they leave laying there, they're going to be regretting it come next week. Can't you see this going down to can't can't you see this being like a 48-45 game? I don't. Hmm. I don't because see... you don't believe that the offensive line can the battle of the trenches is going to determine the game. I think so, and I'm gonna give Winnipeg the advantage on both sides. Mm. Mm. And I think they're being there that they've been in the playoffs the last few years they've won in the playoffs the last few years this bc group is new to this they beat calgary they've owned calgary all year so does winnipeg yep. but that, you know yep. calgary was third or fourth best in the league but they were clearly third or fourth best these are the two best teams in the league right now yep. winnipeg has the experience in the playoffs bc has the wild card in nathan Rourke. if he's on fire good luck to anybody that's facing him but right. i don't think winnipeg's gonna let him get there i think bc's time is next year i think this year winnipeg holds serve oh man next year dude i was thinking about this the other day next year the vote picks to, to win this thing are going to be bc and edmonton everybody's everybody's going to be picking that that's going to be the, the trendy pick next year uh, those those teams, if think. BC gets Rourke back and they yeah. can keep this group together, yeah. they're even more dangerous than they turned out to be this year because they'll have that year of experience being together. They'll have the experience of being deep in the playoffs. They'll have the experience of going to Winnipeg. Hopefully for them. It's and they'll have a couple of young offensive linemen through the draft. That's there, there's your hope there too. They, they <laughs> have they have a focus point there. That's been mm-hmm. a problem for a long time, but mm-hmm. you can't you can't fix that overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm making the assumption as I'm going here that they do lose this next week, mm-hmm. but they'll have the experience going forward of having won a playoff game, having gone to the number one team, and probably giving them a fight. I don't think this is an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. And then they come back next year. Winnipeg's a year older. They've probably lost a player or two to the NFL. 
BC's probably losing losing a couple too. But they'll have a <clears throat> but if they can keep a core group together from this year, they're they're going to be the trendy pick next year. And I now think you said, they could now you it. said if Nathan Rourke comes back, what's what's the danger? Well, the NFL could come calling. Nah. The injury may keep him keep him home for another right. year. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. But exactly an NFL team may still take a shot based off of the half the season he played, and especially yeah, they take a shot if he goes if he goes nuts the next two weeks. You better believe they're calling. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. BC gets the if BC somehow wins the great cup yeah sure i think that yeah he's at least going to be in spring training with with somebody but i don't know you know it, it's the side the size is an issue the arm strength is obviously not the size is an issue and the injury is an issue that's exactly what i was thinking is that you know when after like four or five games people are going gee is he gonna is he good enough to make the nfl i just you know Okay, take that into consideration. But then we do know the, we do know the, that he, that is his goal. So if he gets a shot at it, he's likely taking it. Yeah, he played and high it school takes, football in Alabama. It only, <laughs> it only takes one out of thirty-two teams to say, "Hey, come on, let's give you a shot." Oh yeah, there is quite a few teams in the NFL that can use a quarterback. Yeah, quarterback play is not great in the NFL this year for those folks who are not watching the football. No, a few, um, a few of the a few of the. Uh, Name quarterbacks are getting to the age where they need to be not doing this anymore. Yep. And four or five quarterbacks that were drafted a year ago are exactly looking like uh, franchise quarterbacks. So there, there's a lot going on in the NFL quarterback right now. In any case, uh, this is CFL podcast. So, so what would you say? Like seven points, 10 points, maybe Bombers win? I'd feel comfortable saying something like 34 to 24 with the last. With the last BC score coming within the last couple minutes, yeah. So, so yeah. So there's no way BC's gonna be able to hang, in your opinion. Uh, I didn't say that. Even into the third quarter. Hmm. No, I think Winnipeg pulls away in the fourth. Yeah, as they okay. want, to, as they want to do. Yep. BC's yep, gonna exactly. hang in there. They're gonna throw some punches. They're gonna have a big play that's gonna make the game that's gonna make things uncomfortable about mid second quarter. Okay. Ask me next year about this matchup, and I might have a different <laughs> opinion. Because I do think Winnipeg's core is getting to the point where they're this is their this is their max. I think you got Big Hill, Jefferson, Bryant. They're all starting to age. It's wow. like not, this group isn't going to be together forever. I mean, as 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 awesome as Winnipeg has been in this four year run, to mm-hmm. be fair, four year run, um, it's hard to maintain any sort of run like that, even in the CFL. I mean, when the when the Elks were so great back in the day, um, they were doing that with two different franchise quarterbacks. You know, like like these days, I mean, stuff like that just doesn't happen anymore. And and you know, the, I, I guess the sad part about this is this is going to end up being three great cups in a row, and it really should have been four. It really should have been four. That's that's the shame about it. But yeah, 
to expect the Bombers to win it all this year and then next year is asking again. Is yeah, asking next next. Uh, I feel like I feel like this is. I feel like this is the best, the last best chance for this group. Right now, yeah. Next year, they're probably thirteen and five. Oh sure. And they're still they're in the West final. Yeah. And if BC and if BC's had suffered some losses, Rourke's gone to the NFL. Things didn't don't pan out the way we the way that they could for a team on the rise. Well, maybe they're back again next year. Yep. And they're facing Edmondson in the West finals. <laughs> Yeah, it might take another year for Edmonton. Third place Edmonton. <laughs> Maybe. Stranger things have happened. Somebody gets of course. hot. Yeah, sure. I mean, Winnipeg got there first because they just decided to get hot at the, just the right time. There's no way they were the best team in the league in 2019. They beat three teams that were better than them, I thought. Yeah, but that can happen. It that does. can happen. That and can happen with championship teams. You win a year and, early. And back to and back to our earlier point. Expanded playoffs means that these sorts of things happen. Well, Jesus, looking back on it now, it's a good thing they won in 2019. Because if they hadn't, they might not have in 2021. Because they might not have had that same roster. Nope. In fact, they probably wouldn't have. You know. Those guys stuck with that team. The key players stuck with that team through the COVID playoff. Okay. They also, run, they also run a high class operation over there. Right. So, exactly. So, you know, it's just like that 2019 Grey Cup win was the best thing to happen in this franchise in more ways than one in the last, what, 40 years or so. I mean, really, seriously, because it led to these other ones. Unquestionably. Well, I'm preemptively counting other ones, but I don't know. It's certainly not looking good for these other three teams right now. That's for sure. They have potentially facing these bombers. Right. So, okay, Joe, you're not with us next week. You're going out to Regina. I am on a plane Wednesday night. Oh, man. Awesome. Are you doing any CFL? What do they call that? CFL Village? Are they still calling it that? Activities this year. Are you doing anything? Mm, well, I mean, there's always Spirit of Edmonton. There's right. always the CFL Fans Fight Cancer event. Touchdown Manitoba is a must for obvious reasons for me, for some reason. And there's even a group of us that have gotten together from Twitter that said, hey, we're going to throw our own party since the league aren't in, in throwing us one. Oh, wow. Oh, cool. Mm. So what? So it's a party for the CFL Twitterverse? Yes. Great. Sold out, wow. by the way. No, <laughs> oh, I bet. I bet. I am jealous that you're going, but I, as always, I'm not jealous you're going up in November. Yeah, it's so. not going to be warm. No. <laughs> this will be the coldest one I've gone to. Yeah, that is some great Canadian-style understatement right there. That's great. It's not going to be warm. <laughs> and it's not going to be inside, like in BC. <laughs> so... Well, let's put it this way. It's not going to be cold enough that Travis Curl will wear pants. He'll probably wear shirts the whole time. Oh, really? Okay, wow. My friend over at Two and Out likes, does, not, does like to um, go around in shorts and feel comfortable, even when it's a little bit too cold for me to be running around at all. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, no. I know large men like Travis and and these guys 
wear shorts. I mean, don't wear shorts maybe five days a year. <laughs> I mean, honestly. I mean, Still, I'm, not, I'm not far from that. I mean, every day there you at, go. at home, I'm wearing shorts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, in proper winter, <laughs> you know, wearing shorts. I I don't know. Maybe it's a question of overheating. As, as you can see, I've never really had the big guy issues. So... <laughs> I I don't know, but yeah, I I believe it. In Travis's case, I believe it. Is, and, is, and and there was that and there was that bomber fan a few years ago that put on pants for the first time in years and years and years and <laughs> decided that it was they weren't for him and it's back to the shorts as far as I <laughs> have heard. Fantastic, fantastic football fan. Gotta love him. Canadian football fans gotta love him even more. All right, Joe. Well, I I may talk to you. Uh, before that but if not bon voyage have a great one as always and for the rouge white blue i'll sign off for my co-host joe pritchard i'm Oz davis we'll talk to you next week about the great cup enjoy the games thanks for listening find more great shows like this at cf pod network on twitter